0: podcast of JetNation.com.
1: The largest independent fan site in the NFL.
0: Be sure to check out our
1: forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now, to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here's your host, Glenn Naughton.
0: Good evening, Jets fans. I am Glenn Naughton. This is Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Apologies for those of you who tried to tune in last night. I'll say right off the bat, we are, we're we're going to get the wheels moving on, on finding a new host for the show. Um, blog talk is just, uh, we're having too many incidents like this. Too many times we're getting cut off mid-show, and uh, it doesn't even let us know all the time. Uh, last night, it, everything on my screen and my studio looked like it was clean and good to go. And I was yapping away and yapping away. And then when I wrapped up the show, went back and listened and found that it had recorded about 12 minutes. So that's uh, we apologize for that. Tonight's show should be a good one. I am joined once again by Alex Varallo. And tonight we are going to do side by side mock drafts. And uh, I'm going to bring you on in a second, Alex. But first, I want to lay out the parameters real quick. uh, So it's nice and clean and I make it clear because last night I forgot bits and pieces. I want to kind of lay out the rules of what we're doing here. So people understand. So Alex and I are each going to do a mock draft. We've each either made trades or not. We're free to make trades. The only stipulation we agreed upon was that using, we use the same um, draft value chart and using that chart, we had to be within 100 points value wise in terms of compensation. The jets get not going to sit here and do a fanboy trade where they get 13 extra picks. Um, and we're also not going to do something where we come up way short of what the jets would likely get. With that with that in mind, I know for my trade I was actually a few hundred points under, so you know, we'll we'll say there will be a trade next you know, one extra pick thrown in for next year, blah blah blah. But that's the first thing. Uh secondly, and I don't know if Alex did this and this wasn't really a stipulation, it's just something I decided to do um because when we do mocks a lot of times the feedback I get is you know, that's unrealistic. That guy would never be there. How in the world can you think that dude's going to be there in round three? Nobody in their right mind would say that. So I used the most recent, just came out a few days ago, CBS Sports mock draft, full seven round mock. And I did not make any selections on any player that was not on the board according to their mock. So that's, of course, it doesn't mean they're right. But, they, you know, that was somewhat of a guide. So there were no, you know, grabbing a guy in round six that people are screaming at me. He'll be gone at the top of round two. Um, not to say that won't happen anyway, but that's, that's where that came up with. And there was one other thing I wanted to throw in Alex that I, it escapes me at the moment. So, uh, so come on, say your hellos. And if, uh, if I remember what that last thing was about this mock, I will throw it out there. But basically picks are uh, or sorry, trades have to be within a hundred points on the point value, the, the uh, NFL draft point value chart. How are we doing tonight, Alex?
1: Uh, good evening, Jed
2: Nation. How we doing, Glenn? Very excited and ready to go for tonight's uh, dueling mocks.
0: Yeah, this should be uh, this should be a good time because it'll get a lot of names out there. Uh, that oh, I think I, I did just remember the uh, the other piece to this. Uh, what we're also going to do we're going to do our mocks when there's a trade down. Obviously, those are the picks we'll, we'll make. But we will also let let the fans know, and that there won't be many changes in mind, We'll also do a. A mock without the trades, we won't take as long on that. We'll just kind of say in round one, I'm going to do this with my trade down. Um, if the Jets stay put, I'm taking this guy. So that so we kind of cover all of our bases here. And uh, and you're free to Alex if you want with your mock uh, throw out one or two names as alternate picks for these guys. Because if you say, for example, you know I want to take uh, you know uh, Lamont Galliard, and draft time rolls around and he's not there. So throw out like a second choice if you want. You don't have to. So, we'll get to the mocks in a few minutes. Wanted to cover a few news items first. Uh, the Jets, of course, had their first day of mini camp today. It's a camp that's all the rise for teams that have a new coach, so it's light workout on the field. Um, I'll throw out a few thoughts from what I saw online, and then Alex, feel free to chip in and uh, and give your thoughts if you had a chance to catch anything. Uh, one thing I, I did I notice right away, not much of a surprise, but it's still nice to see, is how animated Greg Greg Williams was. Because uh for those of you who had a chance to see the team out at camp over the last couple of years, or hell, even on Sundays, um on game day, uh Todd Bowles and Casey Rogers were were basically uh sleepwalking. And you just you never felt any you never felt any passion and and I get you know, that doesn't guarantee any results. You can send any coach out there to yell and scream. I get that. But man, when you're losing and you and your coach just stands there with his arms folded and his mouth shut, you, it just you know, there's no energy, nothing to feed off of. And uh, not that the player should need that. But every now and then, you got to you got to let it rip and, and blow up a little. And uh, Casey Rogers and Todd Bowles were basically uh, sleepwalking through the last few years. Nice to see Greg Williams as animated as he was. Darren Lee was not present. This is a good thing. The Jets, whether they're going to keep if they're going to keep him, they're going to keep him. But we have to face the reality, you know, the fact he is going to get shopped, And you don't want him getting hurt at a, at a a pre draft, you know, two days before the draft blown out an ACL and then zero trade value. So Darren Lee stays home. Le'Veon Bell stayed home, which some fans seem to have a problem with. I, I kind of get it. You know, I mean, it's a new era in the NFL and has been for a while. These guys aren't, you know, on game day, they're invested. But other than that, it's a business. It's a job for them. If your job told you, you had an optional work day on Monday, would you show up? You know, and I, and I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. I'm just, stating the reality of the situation. I mean, you better believe, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, Jesus, if you're making $14 million a year, voluntary or not, you need to be showing up. But that's because I don't make $14 million a year. When you're living in their world, they're making what they are worth per the market. And they view their $14 million a year, like it or not, the same way you might view your $18 an hour or $10 an hour, whatever it may be. Your salary is your salary. These guys make what they make because they're worth it. And so they see no issue with staying home uh, when there's a voluntary workout. So no Darren Lee, that's a good thing. No Le'Veon Bell. Would have been nice to have him there with, you know, new new beginning, new start for him, for the team, the head coach. So slightly disappointed he wasn't there. And a rumor that is being floated right now is the Robbie Anderson. The Jets are willing to take a three for Robbie Anderson. If that's the case, that is idiotic. I I would say I am 95% sure that that's another BS rumor being floated to get clicks. I will say, however, the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause and makes me worry a little bit is that Adam Gase has an established track record of getting rid of guys who have off-field issues um, or attitude problems, which is the perception of Robbie Anderson. That being said, again, I think it's BS. I think Adam Gase has spoken glowingly about Robbie Anderson. And I think that Robbie has too much to offer to this team. I don't think they're going to look to move him. And that was a whole lot of stuff to cover, one or two other things. But, Alex, please chime in. Your thoughts, Darren Lee, Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, rumors, etc., etc., etc. cetera, et cetera.
2: Well, I'll, I'll first start with Le'Veon Bell. And, and, again, you said it great. This is a voluntary, <clears throat> uh, you know, workout that they put together. And I, every year we go through the same thing. Um, and people seem to get a little uh, emotional and, you know, they vent, you know, we're paying this guy so much, like you said, why isn't he there? He's not all in. It's just reactions, uh, you know, everyone, this tension that's building to the draft. So, obviously, the media guys have to put out this stuff there, and it's, you know, juicy content for them and fans feed into it, but I'm not really concerned. Uh, I know exactly what we're going to get and expect from Le'Veon Bell this year. Uh, my my whole when I said this earlier today, and I saw people react to it, I said, "Does he really need to to be running cones and and running over bags today? Is, is that going to to prove to you even further from what he's already done and accomplished?" So for me, it's not not a big deal. I'm I'm not upset about it at all. Uh, I'm more focused on the draft at this point, and mm-hmm. and is just going to be a great asset for this offense. So I'm not really concerned about that. Now, on the other hand, with Darren Lee not showing up, it is a little curious because, you know, he he was present um, you know, a week or two ago when they had their their workouts and their training uh session that, you know, everybody, you know, came in and we saw all the videos and people are getting hyped. So, it is a little interesting uh that Darren Lee was not there today. Um, you know, there if, if there is a trade scenario that is being in the works, um It's very, very similar in my mind to how they handled Muhammad Wilkerson before they decided to part ways with him. Uh, What I had heard from that is that there was a uh, clause in his contract where if he had gotten an injury or did something like that, the Jets would be stuck with him, and they wouldn't be able to cut him and do what they did, how they let him go. So like you said, maybe this is a scenario that don't worry, take a couple days off gives them a little time to exercise the phones and, and see who's out there that may want to be interested in doing a deal for him. So I, I'm definitely putting the spotlight a little bit more on than with my concern rather than Le'Veon Bell. And, uh, you know, real quick and short, I, I don't think Robbie Anderson's going anywhere. Um, this is clearly, I think, a player that Mike McKagan tips his hat uh, when he when he sees him as, you know, a very, very, awesome UDFA signing and this guy has easily been the most productive receiver that we've had over the last couple of years. I know a lot of people argue, you know, oh, Quincy's the number one, but you know, you have to be on the field in order to prove that. And we know Quincy's health has not been great the last two years and, and Robbie's been out there and he's been making plays and he's the guy that we know when we need to, uh, you know, go deep and, and make the defense be honest, you know, he can open things up in our offense. And he, he's definitely a playmaker. And you just don't let guys like that walk, especially with the way that we acquired him and with the money that we have invested into him is really, really aggressive. And it, it's a great deal for us. So in the event that, you know, something were to happen with that, I really hope that we would get something more than, than a third-round pick because I think he's better than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to, to think you're going to give him away and what you what you're going to get back. And you know, and I've said it before on this show, you know, when was the last time the Jets had a guy who was this explosive, this productive, this young and, and here for the long term? You know, people have said to me Santana Moss, you know, Santana Moss wasn't here very long. Um, you know, to me Wesley Walker is the last guy I remember. And I I barely remember Wesley Walker. I was maybe 12, 13 years old when I was watching him play. Um, so in terms of guys who you can look at and say this dude could be here for 10 or 12 years, Robbie's the first guy they've had in decades. And to say to to consider giving him away, and and something funny the other day, funny I don't I don't know if it's funny or sad or pathetic, you know we we've talked about how um, we're we're a bit more supportive of Mike Mcagnan than, than some Jets fans. And I think, you know, and I've said before that I, you know, I acknowledge McKagan screw ups because he's had many, um, but every GM does. Um, But, you know, I've talked about how people don't like to give him credit where it's due. You know, Um, Darnold was a lucky pick, even though he traded up to get him. Jamal Adams was lucky. Uh, Leonard Williams was a lucky pick, even though on draft day, there there were a lot of fans who were pissed off that the Jets took another D lineman. Go back and look at that class now, and there are about four good players from that first round. Uh, but uh, I, I, a new low the other day, I had somebody tell me on Twitter that Robbie Anderson and Chris Herndon were both no-brainers, that, that McCagnin didn't deserve any credit for them because Robbie Anderson was a first-round talent, even though he went undrafted. Robbie was a first-round talent, and Chris Herndon was a no-brainer, who I don't think I saw that dude's name affiliated with the Jets on a single tweet in the months leading up to the draft. So the, 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 the delirium uh, associated with Mike McKagan and his detractors is just uh, – it gets so ridiculous at times. But uh, I'll leave that there at that. Uh, the other thing we talked last night, Alex, before we were cut off after about 12, 13 minutes, uh, rumors of the, flight, the Frank Clark to the Jets, rumors. Obviously, that did not happen. He was traded today. Uh, when you see the compensation, uh, Seattle got a first-round pick. He went to Kansas City first and a second, I believe, and a second next year. And Clark got a $20 million a year deal. I wanted Clark, but at that price, no way. And Seattle, from what we read, I believe it was Connor Hughes, Seattle wanted the Jets' third pick. I'm sorry, but you don't get a top three pick for a dude who's about to make $20 million a year. That just You don't know. That you don't do that. So this is another thing where McCagna didn't make a move, so he'll get killed for not getting Clark. But if he had paid that price, he would be getting killed for getting Clark. so no win situation for the GM. but what are your thoughts, Alex? That price tag that was steep
2: It, it was definitely a lot I mean it, it's very, very interesting on how you had two really, really good edge defenders in house already with Justin Houston and D Ford, and you couldn't figure out a way to get a deal done with them, and then you you basically just mortgaged. You know, two first, you know, first round, two premium picks, a first round this year and a 2020 next year, and then they exchanged their third rounds. So uh, I'm assuming that, you know, maybe they they improved a little bit uh, on their third round selection. So it's it's a head scratcher. Um, you know, I I'm I'm happy for him. He got paid. He he got a nice contract for. Uh, did he get a new deal or is it just a one year? Deal. I didn't get to see the details on that, but yeah, he, regardless, he, uh, he he got like a, a five-year deal worth Clark twenty million family. a year. Oh, well, you know, good for him. <laughs> I think he Played got. He, I think it was
0: five years, one hundred and five million. I don't know how Oof, much was guaranteed. Wow.
2: I mean, that's that's approaching quarterback money, and uh, yes, we know that the Jets have had a lot of you know money rolling into the all seasons, and you know, everyone thinks that we're playing with monopoly money here sometimes, but uh, we do have to figure out things on how to make Jamal Adams long-term and Sam Darnold long-term. So I'm, I'm pretty content mm-hmm. on how things are going right now. Yes, I'd yeah. love the opportunity to maybe fill a, a position before we get into draft. But, you know, I think we've had a good off season and I think we're in good position to get a good player or move back and, and, and stack. And, and, you know, maybe rather than going for quality, we get quantity that could end up with more upside rather than just sitting firm because, you know, we all know the big three names. And, you know, if Quinton Williams turns into a starting center, maybe a corner in the second round and an extra third or fourth round pick, that that's a no-brainer in my mind. We're winning um, in, in that scenario, even though, you know, we would be passing up on, you know, as they say, Quentin Williams is probably the best guy to get a gold jacket out of the top three, and I completely get that. But, again, if, in our particular situation, you know, we yeah, have to, I, to be I, open to, you know, whatever offers come our way.
0: I tweeted out a few weeks ago, and I was reminded of this a few minutes ago when I was talking with another Jets fan on, uh, on, on Messenger here on Twitter and saying, and it, again, I, I tweeted this, I don't know if it was three weeks ago or two months ago, whatever it was, but, you know, as, as excited as I am about this draft and as great as the possibilities are, there's that part of me that's like, I wouldn't want to be Mike McKagan right now. Because even though there's a lot of great scenarios, I I think back to 1997 when Bill Parcells had the number one overall pick and he had Orlando Pace staring him in the face and the Jets had some holes, so he traded down and then he traded down again uh, with the Bucks, I believe it was, or the, or the, the Seahawks, whoever it was, and Pace ends up going one and then with the other pick he traded down. Uh, Walter Jones goes. So the two picks the Jets traded down both turned out to be Hall of Fame left tackles. And uh, mm-hmm. and the Jets ended up with uh, James Farrier, I think, or uh, somebody who just wasn't very good. Might have been the Dorian or I can't even remember. Um, but basically need had a lot of needs, passed on the blue chip, surefire Hall of Fame type talent, moved mm-hmm. down, and ended up with garbage. And if you're Mike McCagnan, you know, and especially – you know, I was listening to um, – I, I might have been PFF – no, I think it was uh, Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah, the other day, saying there's some concerns with Brian Burns, the Florida State edge rusher. He's, you know, he's a little bit light. He's going to have a hard time getting off of blocks in the NFL. You see Montez Sweat dropping because of his heart condition. And it's like, well, you know, how many guys can have these huge red flags that you pass up on Quinton and Williams and think, oh, we'll get a, we'll get a guy e- – even Ja'Kai Polite, who I really like, not in round one but a lot of guys with question marks outside of those top two or three. Um, and to me, even Bosa's a question mark. He had a season-ending injury in high school before he started college, and then he had two season-ending injuries in college. And you're going to take him with a third pick? And then what are you going to say when he gets a season-ending injury in week two? You're going to act surprised and be like, oh, man, how, how could we know when that was going to happen? Because it happened several times already. So even Bosa, to me, I understand the intrigue because of his, you know, what he can do when he's healthy. But that's a lot of time to miss for the third overall pick. But speaking of the third overall pick, let's, uh, let's roll into this, Alex. Let's, let's uh, get into these mocks. But first, we're going to thank our sponsor, and that, of course, is FanDuel Sportsbook. This episode of Jet Nation Radio is sponsored by FanDuel Sportsbook. If you're in New Jersey, you can get a $500 risk-free bet when you sign up. This applies to all markets, whether you're betting NBA, NHL, MLB, or anything else. That is FanDuel Sportsbook. Log in and sign up today. So, Alex, as I said at the top, we get the trade down if we want. Trade value has to be fair. Can't go insane. You can give up some points. Can't gain a bunch of points. And we will go pick for pick. Um, And you can go ahead and do the honors. I know you said you did a first-round trade. So go ahead and fill us in on what the trade is, what the compensation was, and who your first pick is.
2: Okay, so with our trade mock scenario, um, I I was just doing a little digging and thinking this team's been making a lot of knucklehead moves with the quarterback, and I think it would be a good opportunity for them to maybe get a guy in our spot, the Denver Broncos. Mm -hmm. So they are slotted at the 10th pick. Now, uh, what we did here is we traded our first round, Uh, Mm -hmm. Number three overall And our last pick, the seventh round And um, in this trade scenario In order to make the points work We are getting a future 2020 mid-round Probably between the third or fourth round I'll let the fans figure that one out (laughs) To figure out the rest of the points Because it is a little bit of a hard scale So we end up with eight eight picks in this scenario
0: That's what I was going to say Run me through all eight picks that we have
2: Okay, so we're going to start off With the tenth pick in the first
0: Yep. We yeah. Will give you the Denver. round and the
2: overall. Yep. So we're going to get uh, their tenth pick in the first round. Yeah. Um, and we will also get their second round pick, which is the forty-first pick. Thirty-first. Forty-first. Uh, sorry, forty-first. Uh, yep. Okay. And then we will be we will be staying at home with our sixty-eighth pick in the third round,
1: and okay. we will be getting
2: their seventy-first pick, which is three spots after our first third round pick. Okay. Uh, we still have our uh, this will be our third third round pick, which is the ninety third pick. Okay. And we will also be staying at home with our fourth round pick one oh five. Okay. And acquiring Denver's fifth round pick one forty eight, and then okay. our last pick, we will be ending the draft in the sixth round,
0: and I believe that's and around
2: 196.
0: ninety six. Six. Yes, correct. Yep, one ninety six. Okay. So, and with your first pick, who are you taking at number ten overall? The Jets are
2: going to get an excellent speed rusher in Brian Burns from Florida State. Uh, All right. I believe that he is one of the better edge rushers in here. And people that are concerned about uh, his, his size and he is too slender, well, guess what, folks? We're going to beef him up, we're going to get him in good shape, and we're going to turn him into a, a beautiful edge rusher. And he's going to be explosive in our 3-4 defense. And I think that there's a lot of talent with this guy, maybe a liability in the run game, but that's why you got the big guys up front to help him out. And I think Brian Burns would be a great fit for our three, four.
0: All right. And hypothetically, if Brian Burns is gone, who's the pick? So in
2: this case scenario, what we would be looking at is possibly a Montez sweat. Um, That would also be a perfect scenario of him getting past, you know, a couple other teams that, that might be pulling the trigger you know, in that seven, eight, nine spot, but he would be my alternate at that spot. But because of the heart condition that uh, has been rumored around, and there was some talk about how uh, he had some trouble at his first university and then, you know, transferred over. So that's why the jets want to stay safe with their pick. We are not in a sense of urgency at all. So that's why we're going with Brian Burns.
0: All right. And now hypothetically, if the jets stay put, who is the pick at three? Uh, So at
2: three, um, what we will do is we are going to go right out of Kentucky with edge defender Josh Allen. Um, I love this kid's ability and coverage. And, of course, we've all seen the highlight films and and tape, and this guy definitely has an elusive way of getting after the quarterback. So that would be a non-trade scenario. Josh Allen at the number three, lock him up.
0: Okay, gotcha. So So we're going to edge rusher no matter what. Okay, so for me, I also traded down from number three to number fifteen with the Washington Redskins. Reason being, and I did this in the, my in my previous mock. Uh, reason being, I think the Redskins and Giants. Although I not as don't feel as good about that today as I did yesterday. Uh, heard something on the Giants today, but basically the Redskins don't have a quarterback, and they are in a division with the Eagles and Cowboys who have Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott, respectively. Their fans want to see that they're going to try to compete. They're going to try to move up, grab a quarterback at three. The Redskins have some picks to give up. So what the Jets are getting from the Redskins, they are getting – the Jets are giving up pick number three. They are getting in return pick number 15, pick number 46 in round two. They are getting both of the Redskins' third-round picks, number 76, and the Jets are keeping their fourth, sixth, and seventh rounders. So they end up in this scenario with four third-round picks. And they, that would put me a couple of hundred points behind. So the Redskins, as in Alex's deal with the Broncos, the Jets would be getting an additional pick next year. Um, and again, that would, be, that would depend on uh, where they finish up in the standings, maybe a conditional-type thing that will, the, where the, the standings will determine the, the final off the final outcome in in terms of what the Jets get. So with the 15th pick, even though, you know, we've got a defense heavy draft. And initially when I did a mock the other day, I had that same or similar trade. I went with Garrett Newberry, but the more I thought about it, um, I'd rather get a center later on and go ahead and grab TJ Hawkinson tight end out of Iowa with the 15th pick. He's going to help that O line because he's a damn good blocking tight end. He's going to give our young quarterback a fantastic big target down the middle of the field to pair with Chris Herndon. And I don't see how you can go wrong with that. It's uh, it's going to open things up a whole lot for Sam Darnold, make his life a lot easier, improve the running game and the passing game all in one fell swoop. And if TJ Hawkinson is gone, then we are taking his teammate, Noah Fant. So one way or the other, uh, in the trade down scenario, we are getting a tight end. And if we do not trade down, if the Jets stay put at three, the pick is Quinn and Williams, best player in the draft, a guy who is going to be able to collapse the pocket, make everybody around him better. And as I've said before, I understand the need for an edge rusher. I will not be upset if they do take an edge rusher. But as I went back recently and took a look at some of that New England-San Diego playoff game, I mentioned this on the air recently, the good quarterback, the Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers of the world, those guys get the ball out in under a second and a half. And Joey Bosa against Tom Brady last year, it was like the man wasn't on the field. It was like 11 on 10. He's a premier edge rusher, and Tom Brady and the elite quarterbacks, they make those guys invisible by getting the ball out in a hurry. You get a guy like Quinnen Williams, and you can collapse the pocket and at least get that dude off his spot and force him to make a throw on the run. So that's where we're at with me. Alex, you are up again, my friend, and you are – sitting with the 41st pick in round two. Yes.
2: Okay. So what we're going to do here is we're going to get a new member into new Jack city. We're going to go down to Notre Dame and we're going to get Julian love the man to man cover corner that also has some uh, zone coverage skills. And I think that he is the type of player that you could pencil him in as a future number two with one kind of a 1b not exactly a 1a upside but i think that there's upside for him to be a future number one corner for a defense and i think sitting behind uh, tremaine johnson and daryl roberts is is a good way to just start out his career and i would love to to have julian on our defense
0: all right that's a you know corner is definitely a need uh well i, I say definitely um i think it's something that will be addressed and i've, I've said before i I'd love to know what the Jets think internally of, of uh, Daryl Roberts and Derek Jones, but we're, we're going to go ahead and assume that they are what they are, and they will not be starting-type players. And that's, uh, that addresses a need in that spot. And who, who is the alternate pick if he is not on the clock?
2: Uh, my alternate in this scenario was, was a player that they, I believe, brought in for a visit. That's Amani Awarye from Penn State. He's been getting a lot of buzz. I've been hearing mixed um, takes on him that, you know, some people feel that he, he's a lock to go in the second round. Some people think that, you know, there's some some issues with, uh, you know, his footwork and he's not very aggressive in open field tackles. So he might slide, but I, I'm pretty sure he'll probably end up somewhere in that mid-second, uh, maybe late second round. So, you know, in the event that Julian Love is snatched before us, I I think the Jets would be very comfortable getting a player that, with his size and his speed, 6'2", 205, 4'4", 40 times. So, you know, he he makes, uh, you know, for a good fit for what I believe would be Greg Williams' uh, style defense.
0: Sounds good. Good reasoning for sure. And the pick at number 68 in the third round, if there are no trades?
2: So in the non-trade scenario, um, this would also be a little bit, you know, of uh, I guess the stars aligning for us. But in a non-trade scenario, if Justin Lane from Michigan State is on the board, I think that this is one of the top corners that the Jets have on their board. Uh, I've been hearing more and more good things about him. Some people are even rumored, don't be surprised if you see him at the back end of the first. So his name's getting around. He's got good size and speed. He's physical. Um, another one of those man press guys, and um, he's not afraid to stick his nose um, on anybody in the field. So when you have a player with that type of athleticism and physical nature, you know, you want to get him on your on your squad. So Justin Lane in the non-trade scenario at the 16th pick overall uh, would be the selection. Um, my alternate for him is a name that we talked about last week with Sean Bunting out of Central Michigan University. Um, that would be in the non-trade scenario
0: Yeah, Bunting is a guy Who uh, I've seen mocked In the second round That's probably about I, I saw him in some third round stuff But I think the most recent I saw was second But uh, never know who's going to be around In these scenarios Because, I mean, let's face it, man Every year guys fall, every year And that's why I laugh when people say Oh, how, there's no way that guy's going to be there He's so stupid, why would you say that like, We don't know, you know Teams do crazy stuff, man Teams, teams grab guys in every, the first round. every every year, man. You you you. At some point, you're going to hear those guys sitting at the table for NFL Network or ESPN. You're going to hear, a, oh no, what what did they who what? I can't believe mm-hmm. they just da 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 da. Oh, Always see guys get taken when they're not supposed to, which means somebody who was supposed to go falls and guys fall. Sometimes guys free fall and we don't know why. Um, you know, sometimes it's uh, info that's not uh, not available to the public. But that puts me on the clock in round two with the 46th overall pick. And in this spot, I had this guy in my original mock uh, about a month or month and a half ago. And I, just, I took him out of the one I did a couple weeks ago, but I had to go back to him. man. the more I watch him, absolutely love Stanford's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I think this guy's going to be one of the best receivers in this class. I think he's going to be an immediate threat in the red zone. And, man, would I love to see the Jets grab him if he's there at 46. I saw a mock the other day that had him – might have been a CBS mock – that had him still on the board at 68, which is – I mean, if, that, to me, that would be one of the steals of the draft. I saw PFF had him mocked in round one um, a couple mm-hmm. months ago anyway. So, Arsenal yeah, White is a guy very well. crazy strong hands. He just, he just wins jump balls. That guy goes up and rips the ball out of the air, rips it out of the defender's hands. 40 contested catches, according to uh, Move the Sticks, when I was listening to them the other day. So I'm going back to the well on J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. If he's not there, if he does go in round one or before pick number 46, one guy who many, many mocks have projected to fall as far as late round three. But if Arcega-Whiteside's not there, I'm going to roll the dice, and I'm, I'm getting my guy Ja'Kai Polite. Out had a Florida edge rusher had a fantastic season last year on film. He is an absolute beast. He's a monster. I don't care what the combine results were. I don't care what the pro day results were film trumps everything. And I think this dude has the ability to be a fantastic player off the edge. So I'm taking Jakai polite as my alternate second round pick. And Oh, and, and looking at the, the no trade scenario, if there is no trade and with with mine they're pretty much going to almost mirrored across the board um if we're staying at 68 and if that CBS mock is right and he is still there I'm taking J.J. arcega white side very nice that 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 he's my guy man every, every year you know you watch you watch enough uh enough highlight reels and game film and, and, you or, you know, uh, you go back, you watch the games, you can find them online, you read the scouting reports and somebody always rises to the top is like, yeah, that's the guy I want. And uh, for me this year, it's uh JJ Arcega-Whiteside. He's, he's my top guy.
2: Oh yeah. He, he's a phenomenal athlete. If anybody knows anything about his background, he comes from a basketball related family. I believe his father played, uh, you know, hoops overseas. Um, And I I believe his mother might have been a uh, collegiate basketball player as well. So you can kind of see some of those basketball skills, how he he separates himself using his big body and his frame to, you know, create windows where even if he's contested, like you said, he had 40 contested catches and he's going to come down with it because he knows how to position himself, you know, to win those situations. So, I mean, he's a no-brainer in my mind and definitely – you know, there's a lot of talent out there. And I think that when it's all said and done, he might find himself in the top five, top 10 from this class.
0: I wouldn't doubt it. Okay. So that does puts, that, does that that puts me, you on the board with pick yep. number 68, the Jets original 68 third rounder.
2: Okay. So um, I had already mentioned that I was going to go with Justin Lane in the non-trade scenario with an alternative, Sean Bunting. So in the trade scenario with Denver, uh, this is where the Jets are going to lock up the center position, and uh, right here we're going to go to Eric McCoy at um, Was it Mississippi State? I believe he's from.
0: McCoy's a Texas A&M guy.
2: Oh, Texas A&M. Sorry, my notes were off on that. And uh, you're, you're you know, probably thinking of Elkin really, Jenkins. Elkin Jenkins. That's who I mixed them up with. Uh, I, I've been watching so much film on these centers here. I, I think I've fallen in love with all of them, but. What I really like about McCoy is that when I look at him, he he looks like he could be a sumo wrestler. And I'm not saying that because, you know, of his physique or anything. It's the way he approaches, you know, widening his base, using his hands in in an aggressive manner, framing, positioning, and freezing opponents in front of him. He's got tree trunks for legs if you take a look at him. And when he sets his feet he drops the anchor for, as people like to say, where you get your hips down low, he's an immovable object. And I think he's gonna, you know, a great guy to put in the trenches. And you know, he moves well in space for for a guy of his size. And I, I think that you'd be looking at a player that probably, you know, hopefully the next five to eight years in front of Sam Darnold. And he would definitely be a great asset to protect him.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, that's that's something that I, I mean, the center position will be addressed. Someone asked me the other day, might have been yesterday, they you know, he tweeted me and said, what, where do you see the Jets dressing center? I can't see it being any later than round four, um, but definitely, definitely, definitely by round four. But I'd be surprised if it wasn't round three with one of those with one of those two third rounders. Hundred percent for sure. And, and you know, so now you're, now you're look, picked,
2: looking at a lot of different guys. Yep.
0: And now so, who's, who's your alternate uh, pick with sixty-eight?
2: Um, so in the sixty-eight scenario, um, being that we do have that ninety-third pick, uh, I would probably be looking, um, you know, if Elton Jenkins, um, that was that was going to be my alternate um, in that scenario. Uh, at first, he was ranked higher than McCoy, but you know, as the process kind of went along, you know, McCoy has moved up the board, so uh, it's not a consolation prize in my in in my mind. I think Elton is. You know, a phenomenal uh, centerpiece for that for the offensive line. I really like the way that he goes about his game. Some people may think he's a little bit stiff, but if you really look, it's he's very consistent with the way that he blocks. And when he get when he frames you, you're not moving anywhere, and he sti- he'll I've... stick you and freeze you. And you know, you'll see a defender almost on their tippy toes, looking like they they don't know what to do with their body. And, and he really does a good job of, you know doing that incline press per se and, and, you know, standing up opponents when they're trying to bull rush them.
0: The, the thing that worried me about Jenkins, and I, I mentioned it to uh, Biff Sweeney of No Fly Zone Radio out on, the, you know, this side of the pond with me, well, but over, still over the, over the water from here over in Ireland. Um, thing that jumps out at me about Elkin Jenkins, good player, but, and I've said this on the air, so people may be tired of hearing me say it, but too often, Uh, not looking for a guy to hit when, when his guy was out of the play. Um, A lot of standing around watching a lot of spectator stuff uh, where, you know, plays are still alive. His teammates are are still going after people and he's standing back watching. And I did say on the air that, you know, what the hell do I know? Maybe the guy's playing with an injury, you know, but I just, I knew, I noticed it on several plays Um, at the same time though, not a bad player. Uh, Not wouldn't, wouldn't hate the pick. But uh, that was one thing that worried me a little bit. I would, if, if given the choice, I would take McCoy over Jenkins for sure um, in that spot. So Jenkins is your alternate pick. Who is your pick if there is no trade?
2: Um, well, for the 68th spot.
0: Actually, oh, sorry, we did be... that already, didn't we? That yeah, was Justin Lane. Justin sorry. Lane, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll actually – let's do the mock, and then we'll do the no trade scenarios after. Let's, let's run through these because they, they won't kind of fall the right way. Uh, so, okay, so for me so far, the, uh, I've got
2: trade scenario. Okay.
0: Yeah, so if uh, if things go well, I've right now I've got T.J. Hawkinson and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And this is going to be a little bit weird, but uh, only because, again, I went from the CBS mock. And I know I mentioned him as my alternate to Whiteside, but here's where I'm grabbing Ja'Kai Polite if I got Arcega-Whiteside with the previous pick, and he's still there. So now I've got a monster tight end. I've got a a dominant a potentially dominant red zone receiver and now i've got a an edge rusher who was a projected first rounder at the beginning of the the draft process and he fell because teams didn't like the way he interviewed and he came up lame while he was running uh while he was running at his pro day um it and i've i've said before that orlando brown last year the oklahoma tackle who was a projected first rounder ended up falling and uh because of a bad combine and he ended up starting the final 10 games of the year for the Ravens while they went on a strong push to make the playoffs. So I think this is just a damn good player who had a bad couple months, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not letting that stop me. Now, if there are other things, if there are things that we don't know about, I, I think he was a transfer uh, or was, was kicked off or suspended at one point in, at Florida. So if there are other issues, I get not taking him. But don't let the, uh, don't let the bad pro days and that scare you off from getting a potential first-round edge rusher. In round three, my alternate, if no, Ja'Kai Polite, give me Memphis running back Daryl Henderson. Uh, that guy, I think is going to be a damn good player. Reminds me a lot of Marlon Mack, who I liked a lot coming out. And I think that he's uh, he can do a lot of things. He can run between the tackles. He can get outside. Didn't ask him to catch the football a whole lot, but I don't think he had a hard time doing it when he was asked to do it. So I'm taking Daryl Henderson in that spot with the 68th pick if Jacai if Polite is not there.
2: Very nice. Yeah, I like Daryl Henderson a lot. I think he's an explosive player. And you know, once he gets to that second level, um, you better have a good, you know, angle on him, otherwise he'll make you look really bad on Sunday.
0: And Absolutely. You know, he's
2: got top end speed and I think he just he's kind of those momentum guys that once he starts getting into the straight line, he just gets quicker as as he you know, his momentum just carries and he gets faster and faster. So really, right. I really like Henderson in that mid round.
0: Yeah, he's 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 something else to watch, man. He's a hell of a player, so I would not mind him one bit in that spot. Especially, you know, he'll have a light workload for his first couple years behind Le'Veon, and then eventually, when they, uh, eventually, when they get him, you know, when they get him up and running, he'll have the potential to be a a damn good back.
2: Hundred percent. Okay, so where that leaves me right now is we're going with Denver's 71st pick. Uh, So this will be our second, third-round pick in the trade scenario. And, you know, I just caught wind of this guy. I've been hearing a little bit about him, and I I got some time last week to study some film, and I I really liked what I came away with. And this was Tristan Hill, defensive tackle from UCF. Now, um, the one thing that really jumped out the, the the film to me was how quick he was off the line of scrimmage. And he likes to line up in that nose tackle position. So this is somebody that would be a great fit for the three, four. And, you know, he, he really stays low when he's firing out of his stance. My only concern is that he could be a little reckless and chaotic with how he gets, you know, as, as he pursues the pocket and, you know, he'll take himself out of place and he, he keeps his head down a lot. So he's not keeping his eyes where the football is. So he'll have to learn how to, you know, be a little more aware when he's going about, you know, his approach, but, you know, as far as, you know, an A-gap, um, you know, disruptor, you know, it'll be very tough for teams to run over the middle with this big guy here. Um, you know, he's about six-three, three hundred and ten 310 pounds, and he's got, you know, big 10-inch hands. And when he gets his hands on you, it looks like it hurts. So, you know, I really like what he does. Again, you know, he's a little bit of chaotic um, with his approach, but, you know, uh, all these guys need a little fine-tuning here and there. And my alternate um, still staying with the defensive tackles would be Daniel Weiss out of uh, Kansas is just, you know, I think he is a rotational piece. Another guy that, you know, would help us in the run game. Um, He can penetrate. Um, He was very, very productive as far as getting into the backfield. I think he had uh, 43 tackles for a loss and, and 17 sacks playing at a defensive tackle. So he's clearly an interior disruptor. And I think if he were to come away, you know, as we are working with a 3-4 and possibly transitioning to a 4-3, I think he's definitely a good cog in the wheel.
0: Yeah, I think – and that's a spot where, you know, I mean, really across the board, they can use – whether it's starters or depth, you know, those are the types of guys who can step in and, and contribute as, you know, third-round picks. And, you know, McCagnin, again, even as, a, as someone who supported him, you know, fully, I've, I've said before that, you know, he, he's got he's to come away with a, a few good players in this draft and uh we're gonna we're gonna pause right there just for a second to uh to go to the phones real quick Alex. We've got a caller calling from eight six oh caller you're on the air hello, yes, hello,
1: hi. can you hear me?
0: We can hear you. what do you got going on
1: um well, you proposed uh trading down uh from three to fifteen or so to pick a tight end. I'm just wondering over the last Twenty years or so, thirty-two teams. That's six hundred and forty draft picks. Um, how many tight ends have been drafted in the first round, and how many of those have been instrumental in helping a team win a championship? I, I think well, it's zero. I,
0: well, let me think. What round was Zach Ertz taken in? Because I mean, the, the round you know, the, the round we're taking guys in is based on their their projection. But once they're on, you know, once right. they're on the field, that's yeah, what but matters. It's also a position. Sorry? I mean,
1: you're gonna take a guy that you described as a, a blocking tight end who can also get down the field. You're gonna trade the number three pick for. I mean, you, you take the, you know, you take the impact player. You don't trade down and take a tight end. That's silly.
0: Well, no, it, it's not silly if the guy is, is a Hall of Fame type uh, player. I mean, you you look at you look at as you know, and I've kind of made the point that we've seen a lot of these teams win Super Bowls recently, and I keep hearing people say that the Jets absolutely must add a number one receiver. And I'm looking at it saying, well, we've just seen the the Patriots and the Eagles win Super Bowls with with tight ends as being the top targets on their team, and that's kind of the way the league is trending to these athletic tight ends who can move around the field. Um, You know, I mentioned Hawkinson's blocking ability because it's it's something that's going to help every part of the offense. Uh, You know, it's a a secondary thing because he's primarily going to be a receiver, but he's a guy who's going to help the run game. He's going to help the passing game because he's not going to be a liability as a blocker or a receiver. And the last two Super Bowl winners, regardless of what round they were taken in, um, you know, the Patriots and Eagles, the best receiver on both those teams were their tight ends.
1: Yeah, and if uh, if
2: I may step in here, you know, it does seem a little leery, and and I understand your point, um, caller. Um,
0: He actually, I don't know if he got dropped or if he hung up, but he's he's no longer on the air. But thank you for calling in, by the way.
2: Following the show as well, and I'll I'll be short and quick on this one here, but I think what you're looking at is exactly what you said. Um, This is about Sam Darnold now, uh, and we need to get as many pieces, quality pieces, that can contribute right away. Now, and Hawkinson is a, a rare commodity because usually with the tight ends, the way that they've been, it's either one or the other. You very, very, um, you know, get the chance to have an opportunity that a guy that does both pretty darn well. And if you see, if you watch the film on him as a blocker, you know, I, I'm not surprised if teams didn't ask him, you know, if he couldn't catch if he would bulk up and play tackle or guard. So, you know, you're, you're getting a double-edged sword. Um, You're getting somebody that will help a power football running scheme for Le'Veon Bell, uh, another guy on the line to, to protect, you know, our signal caller, Sam Darnold. And in the red zone, you know, we were one of the worst teams in the red zone last year. And I think those numbers are going to change significantly this year. And if you add a player like Hawkinson, you know, I I really like the scenario and the pieces and the weapons that Darnold would have, you know, coming into the season.
0: Yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, just in the last couple of years, this we've seen teams. Sorry about that. We've seen teams win Super Bowls with the tight end being the best pe- uh, pass catcher on the on the roster. So, and I'm trying to remember if uh, was was Zach Ertz a first round pick? I'm trying to remember that he was he was taken early on. But but regardless, um, regardless of the round, this is a guy. I mean, I've liked Hawkins. I've been saying for months that I would have no problem with the Jets trading down and taking him in the middle of that round. And then I just heard on uh, he was a name that they mentioned. Um, Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks were doing a show picking like who were the safest picks in the draft. And uh, one of them said this guy is a a gold jacket Hall of Fame type talent. He's absolutely one of the safest picks in this draft. And I I agree with that assessment. I mean he can do everything. He can do it well. And uh, we're gonna go back to the phones real quick. We've got another caller calling for the four. Hey Glenn, how you doing? It's Richard. Hey Richard, I thought that might have been you at 407. How you doing, buddy?
1: <laughs> I'm doing all right. It's always been a while. Listen, I apologize for I, I missed like the first part of the show, but I just have a quick question on whatever. And sure, and go ahead. I, I, I just I have a I, have, I just have a strong feeling whatever the Jets. I don't know if they're looking to trade back or whatever. If they do trade back and they get pigs,
0: and I understand McCagnus
1: philosophy in drafting is just get best player available. Um, if they do add picks or whatever, will that change the way they, they draft? And then based on needs to fill basically needs. Oh, in my opinion, we got the quarterback that we were looking for, for for the longest time or whatever. And then there's another position that we haven't had in ages, and that would be the pass rushing. Um, I like Quentin Williams, and I also I love Josh Allen because he's like would be the uh, outside of Bosa or whatever that's been a pass rusher or whatever. Although I'm not totally sold on Bosa because of the history of injuries, but I think Josh Allen is, is pretty much a stud. But um, that, my question is basically if they do trade back, um, will they be addressing needs and versus best player available? Are they going to get best player available based on the needs that they, that they have? They definitely need a center and a pass rusher. That's just my personal opinion. But anyways that's, Pretty, I don't know if you can address
0: that or not. No. Yeah, thanks for asking Richard. That's actually the reason why what we're doing here is we're we're doing our draft scenarios with and without tradebacks. because if they do trade back, if you know, if you come out of the draft with eight or nine picks versus six picks, that gives you a little bit more to play with. Like for example, in my mock I have been taking a running back in with the trade back. But if they don't trade back, I'm probably not gonna have a running back on that list because you're gonna you're gonna have to make it work. You're gonna have to you, give me Le'Veon Bell, Eli McGuire, Ty Montgomery, and one or two undrafted free agents in camp. Uh, we're not we're not burning draft capital on a running back if we only have six picks. And I you know with the best player available, I think you know I think Mike Mcagnin tends to go with the with the more with the best player in round one, and then from there it's sort of best player that fits a need. Well, actually I shouldn't say that because he did you know when he took. Uh, when he took a hand, and Stewart back to back, that wasn't really filling a, a huge yeah. need there, and they, they should have taken some corners in those spots. But uh, but either way, yes, adding picks will change the strategy because it will give them more options in terms of you know uh, not having to burn picks on on positions and players that aren't as essential. Um, would you agree with that, Alex?
2: Yes, absolutely. I, I think the trade scenario gives us a little more flexibility, and and the way that it would work out would be best player available according to specific need. You know, most most NFL teams they they don't go into this process trying to write up three hundred scouting reports because it's just not realistic to do that much. You can't cover that many players, so it's probably between like a hundred to hundred and fifty guys on their board that they're really really you know comfortable with and. When, they, when they're going through their process, you know, clearly no one saw Hanson and Stewart coming. So the way that McCagney works his board was significantly different to, you know, air quoting the analysts. So, you know, I definitely feel that trading gives us more leverage to, like you said, Glenn, if we're sitting at six, I really can't see or justify a running back with the people that we have in house. But if we get a couple more picks, we get a little bit more flexibility to take chances on on players and, and the Jets aren't in a position of where they have to be urgent. And, you know, you need this player or you need that player. You know, we've been pounding the table for a quarterback for a while. We finally got that figured out. We have a, you know, a franchise all-star running back. We're we're reworking the offensive line very slowly. We've brought in some new uh, receiving talent. So, you know, at this point, how else can we immediately get you know, all systems go so that we could just hit the gas pedal week one. And I think that's the game plan is who gives us the best chance to win. You know, let's just scrap all the, you know, the big boards from the big names, Bucky Brooks and Mel Kiper, you know, at this point we need to focus on what's going to be the best direction to get this team to win nine or 10 football games immediately.
0: That's how I see it. Absolutely. Absolutely. But thanks so much for calling in, Rich. We really appreciate it. And, uh, we look forward to hearing from you again soon. Hey, no problem. Thanks, just
1: one more quick one. Uh, and, and sure. You we you got. Hey, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. By the way. Oh, thank you, Mike. Alex. Um, just, just want to say, do you would you see them maybe trading up uh, into the second no. round to? And, oh, into the second. No.
0: Okay. Now, if uh, that, you know, that's something I said a while back when I was thinking that they would go with, uh, you know, again with it being such a top-heavy draft on defense. I thought maybe you go with the. The best front seven guy with, at three, and then maybe do you package your threes to move up into round two and get the best available tackle? Uh, but as time goes on, I yes, think that's, that's less and I'm less likely. At, yeah. I think I think that's why Mike yeah. Mcagnan is so open about wanting to trade down because of the fact that they just they don't have enough picks. They can't come out of a draft with four or five picks. Uh, I mean, they can if if they hit if they hit a home run and and three of them are are you know are you know high level starters or even quality starters that's not a bad draft to get three out of four quality starters but um i just i think i get the feeling the jets want to address a lot of needs and i don't think they're going to do it by trading up unless you know i expect multiple trades i just i don't expect a lot of trades to cover the first two rounds i think i think round sort of four or five we'll see them move down a spot here and there and uh and add a pick or two You good? Okay, Rich? guys. Well, I appreciate- All right, take care, yeah, man.
1: Yeah, I'm good. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you. All
0: right. Take care. All right, bye-bye.
1: Thanks a lot, Rich. Have a good night.
0: All right. So, a couple calls that uh, – let's see. Where did where did that leave us with our draft, Alex? What was your last pick? You went uh
2: So, that was seventy-one first pick, our second, third round, and uh, my upcoming pick would be our 93rd pick
0: in the third round.
2: Uh, <clears throat> do you want me to pull the trigger here?
0: Yeah, go ahead and uh, – Actually, no, because I didn't do my 76. I didn't do my third-round oh, 76, okay. Vic, yep. Go right ahead. Um, which, again, came over from Washington. Uh, with pick number 76, I'm grabbing Michigan cornerback David Long. He's a guy who uh, I think really could be in a conversation to be taken much higher than this, but this is the kind of range I've seen him in. I heard a number on him earlier. I think uh, the longest completion he gave up this year was a 12-yarder. Um, the guy just he, – he, he doesn't get beat a lot. They, I'm sure that you know. I know they haven't playing off, but but he just doesn't get beat deep. Uh, rangy guy, long long limb guy, who I think could end up being a starter. And if he's not the guy there, and uh, again, this would of course depend on what happens with Hawkinson in round one, because some of these will start to overlap position wise. But if I don't get Hawkinson in round one, um, and really because I think all three of these guys, if you end up with Herndon, Hawkinson, and or Fant. And then this guy, Dawson Knox, I think those could be your three tight ends. I think, the other, I think all three of them would be better than anyone behind Chris Herndon right now, and you know Hawkins is going to be better, than, and fans, arguably better than Herndon. So now you've got all three of your tight ends, and you're ready to go to war with guys who, uh, who have shown they can make big plays down the field, and you're surrounding Sam Darnold with plenty of targets and guys who can, who can move around the formation and make plays in different spots, whether it's slot, H-back in line tight end wherever you want to put them. Some of these guys can line up outside. Just gives uh Adam Gase a lot to work with on offense.
2: That's really intriguing and, and my God would that be an amazing scenario. You really wouldn't be able to put a your thumb on, on, on who's going to be getting the ball when you're running a three tight end set. You know, you'd you'd think there might be a run, but in play action you don't know who you're going to end up covering in that formation. Uh I definitely would be all about that.
0: Yeah that would uh I'd be I'd be pretty happy getting adding those targets for uh for Sam Darnold. So that brings us to you and pick number ninety three in the third round.
2: Well, you know, keeping the theme oh. here, uh, this is sorry,
0: sorry, real quick, gest- I didn't do my no trade scenario pick. Um, okay. Round th- where where we? You know, I'll do that next because that's that's ninety three. We haven't gotten to ninety three yet. You're doing your ninety three right now. Go ahead.
2: Correct. Okay. So, in the trade scenario here with Denver at our 93rd pick, um, we were going to be stay, staying with the tight end theme and going with Jay Sternberger. Uh, I really liked uh, what I saw from his film. And, you know, he's just nothing great, but a lot of good things. And, you know, one thing that really, really stood out to me is that this is a guy that can make big plays. And uh, 12 out of his 13 games last year, he had at least one catch for over 20 yards. A, a definite weapon that you would want working in between the numbers and the seams. You know, you could, he, he could might be considered, I keep hearing this term, a move tight end where you put him in motion and have him kick out somebody in the run game. So as far as in line, he's perfectly sound as a blocker. You can flex him out and, uh, you know, try to get to see if the defense will tip their hand for man or zone. And then, you know, also as an H-back role uh, in the run game, he would be absolutely excellent. Uh, the only, my only concern with him is that, you know, uh, lower leg body strength and a little bit thin um, with his legs. Uh, this is something that, you know, I, I actually uh, came across when I was doing a, a film review. Um, I'm sure you've heard of a Matt Waldman. You know, I, I love that guy. Uh, you know, all of the stuff he puts out there I think is gold. I love the way he describes, you know, his football analytics. And he was the one that had mentioned that to me, and I had noticed that when I was watching the Ole Miss and Alabama game, uh, Jace got pancaked right on his back very early in that game, and he didn't have his feet with him, and he was a little standing too tall, and he got knocked, you know, uh, for a doozy. So he'll have to, you know, get in the weight room, get a little bit more lower leg strength uh, to balance himself out. But I think, you know, he'd be a real quality piece in this offense.
0: All right. And the alternative?
2: Uh, The alternative here, uh, it's interesting. It kind of conflicts a little bit with my other, uh, but I also have Dawson Knox as well. So you and I are really, really on the uh, same page here as far as uh, our picks and our alternates. Uh, You pretty much said it all about Dawson. He he was in a crowded room with uh, DeMarcus Lodge and A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf, so it was hard for him to get targets with all those big-body receivers out there, but he did flash and he did show And I think that there's a a very high ceiling for Dawson um, at the next level.
0: And now who are you taking at 93 if there is no trade? Is it one of those guys again?
2: Um, So in the non-trade scenario here, this is where, um, you know, just to recap, Josh Allen, number one, and then we went Justin Lane with our first third and our second third in non-trade scenario. I think this is a player that you like a lot. I know I love him, and that's Connor McGovern out of Penn State. Uh, This guy is very versatile. He's played center. He's played guard. Uh, I even think he has the the skills to play even right tackle. I'm not sure if he'd be good on the blind side. He gives you options, and I think he's a plug and play guy that would compete for the starting job at center. And uh, you know, just really, really love his power blocking style. And when he gets out in space, he, he's a problem. And and you don't want to be squaring up with this guy in the open field.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely one of my guys right up there with Arsego Whiteside. Um, and you will be hearing his name again uh, during my mock. But for right now, pick number 93 for me. Um, and I didn't realize till I did this mock um, just how much I like Georgia's draft class. I kept having all these Georgia names pop up. Georgia, Georgia. There's, there's a third Georgia guy. There's a fourth Georgia guy. So between the primary picks, alternate picks and all that, um, I have three or four Georgia names. And the first one here is Georgia edge defender DeAndre Walker. I think he's a guy who can get to the quarterback. He can get into the offensive backfield and be a disruptive player. And he's, by all accounts, and several mocks I've seen, he's a guy who will be there in this range. So if DeAndre Walker's there, he's the guy I'm grabbing. And if not, I'm taking his teammate, Riley Ridley, a receiver I really like. I've seen him kind of uh, compared to, what's it? I think it was Andy Isabella, different or not compared to... But uh, making the point the other day, Daniel Jeremiah was saying that these are two guys who teams are probably trying to decide between those two because they have different skill sets, but both have the ability to be very good players. So for me, it's DeAndre Walker in round three with a 93rd pick or wide receiver, Georgia wide receiver, Riley Ridley. And if there is no trade, Walker is my pick at 93.
2: Uh, very nice. You know, I know George uh, – I mean, <laughs> I know Jordan Jenkins would not mind having a, a fellow Bulldog come in. Yeah. Yep. uh And, my Lord, would that be a loud, boisterous locker room with another Bulldog in the house. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. And, you know,
2: very, very, very similar to, I think, how Jordan Jenkins would be. You know, he's not somebody that's going to – you know, who, who, I, I can't say that for sure, that he's going to be a 10-sack kind of guy, but, you know, I think he's a lunch pail kind of guy someone that you can rely on He'll be sound in the run game, and he'll give you a little bit of pass rush here and there and, uh, you know, have a handful of sacks, you know, probably teetering somewhere with that 7-8 range if he hits a ceiling and definitely, a, you know, a, a solid uh, defender to put into a 3-4 C.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And that brings us to your fourth-round pick, number 105.
2: Okay, so... Uh, We're still in the trade scenario here, and right now, uh, you know, what we need is we need a little help at the offensive line still. So we're going to go straight out of Oklahoma with Bobby Evans. Uh, I really liked what I saw out of Bobby. Uh, I think he's a finisher. Uh, I saw a lot of plays where he was just tossing bodies left and right. And, uh, you know, he he was very, very consistent. I think he had 40 career starts. Um, I think he's very, very good in uh, pass protection. He's got really really good hands, a bit of nastiness with the way that he plays. Um, they they pulled he actually pulled quite a bit from some of the film that I saw. So this is a big guy that, that can move and and you know he he's very versatile in in the aspect of you know getting him out in space and and creating uh, more more lanes in the running game. Uh, you know my only thing with him is that he did seem a little stiff and he uh, would definitely have to work on his kick slide, uh, probably would have a little trouble with speed rushers, but, you know, that's just, uh, you know, he would be a project and he would have to, you know, work through the ranks and, and, and beat out, you know, for say a, a Brandon shell, I think he would be more of a right tackle, even though he did play left in college. I think that would be a safer spot for him on the right side. Uh, he definitely has the ability to play left tackle. I just don't know, um, if you would be able to trust him right away.
0: Yeah. He's a guy that, uh, He's a guy that I've watched a little bit of, and I like his game too. I think he'd be a nice addition at offensive tackle, especially a developmental depth guy um, who could challenge Brandon Shell at some point. And who is your alternate pick if Bobby Evans is not on the board? Which, by the way, uh, my- uh, r- real quick, I, I caught myself. Mm-hmm. I-, I generally don't, don't have time to pay very close attention and listen back to the show all the time. I kept saying on the clock the other day when I was talking about players being on the board. So, uh, for those of you listening and thinking, what is this moron talking about?" Um, I said the same thing. I was like, "Hey, dummy, why do you keep saying on the clock?" So uh if you catch me saying it, or if I say it again, I'm a moron, of course, of course, it is the team that is on the clock and the player that is on the board. But I said it a few times, like, Oh, the jets are going to take this guy if he's on the clock um, yeah, I'm a dummy, so I apologize for that. so sorry, carry on there uh, we'll have to get a soundbite
2: we'll have to get a sound bite for that somewhere down the line, yeah. <laughs> So uh, I believe that leaves you now with the
0: the fourth round. Did, well, um, who's your alternate? You
2: have, oh, my alternate in this scenario here.
0: I need um, your Bobby Evans alternate, well, and I need your I need your non-trade down fourth rounder.
2: Okay, so my alternate in this scenario is someone that uh, Titus Howard. Uh, I keep hearing this name that gets thrown around. A lot of people have different uh, views on him, thinking that he might be better at playing interior. Uh, I do think that he would be fine as a right tackle. Uh, he would be a little bit of a project, and very uh, comparable to you know what we have in a Brandon Shell. I don't think you know Pro Bowl would be per se in his future, but I think that you could get by with a guy like him as we've gotten by with Shell.
0: All right. Well, this is. Uh... Oh no. Wait. Is that your? Is it? And which one of those guys, if at all, one of those guys is your pick at 105?
2: So in the non-trade scenario... Um, non-trade. A non-trade scenario here, Dawson Knox uh, would be the selection in the non-trade scenario. Uh, we've talked a lot about him, and uh, I think he's got a lot of uh, flexibility to his game. And his alternate for this would be the monster jumbo... I don't even know if you can call him a jumbo wide receiver, but he does play out in the flex a lot, and that's Josh Oliver, uh, the 6'8 monster... Uh, You want to talk about catch radius and a red zone target. Uh, I I just really liked what I saw, you know, obviously with his frame and his size, you know, not something that you would be comfortable with in an inline role, but I think, uh, you know, in passing situations, um, and if you were to put him side by side with Herndon, I think you could mask some of his deficiencies.
0: He's a guy I like a lot. And we are, uh, we're still good on time. We have 20 minutes, so not a ton at the pace we're going. Um, and the reason I mention that is because I'm going to get to knock these out right away because you are mm-hmm. some familiar names. Uh, with the 96th overall pick third rounder, that is the second Redskins pick that we got in the trade down from number three. Uh, my primary pick is Alabama State offensive tackle Titus Howard, who you just had at 105. Cool. And my alternate pick is guard center conor mcgovern who we just discussed so not a whole lot to say there and uh as a matter of fact those are my 96s and we'll knock out some more time here because you just did your 105s and my 105s 105 if he's there and we didn't get him in the previous round conor mcgovern and if conor mcgovern is gone my alternate is oklahoma oklahoma offensive tackle bobby evans so oh for the that record, covers
2: Glenn the four I guys you just talked about. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I'm, you're sitting here saying these names, and I'm like, this dude is literally plucking down my list and, and naming all my guys. So that uh, <laughs> that covers those. That I get to knock out four picks in about 10 seconds without explaining the player or myself. And I will say that in the non-trade scenario round, where would that put us here? Uh, sorry, lost my spot here. We're, the fourth that would be 105. Fourth, yes, oh. 105. It is going to be Connor McGovern is my pick there, guard center out of Penn State. And that brings us to pick 148 for you, Alex.
2: Yes, okay. So um, in this scenario here, this is a name that a player's been getting a lot of buzz um, he could end up coming in the third or fourth round, depending on, on how teams see him. I've heard comps to uh, a, a poor man's Antonio Brown, believe it or not. And you and you got to figure, how in the world would this guy slide this far? But this is Deontay Johnson from Toledo. Uh, wow, what, what a prospect in this kid. He's not huge, 5'10", 183 pounds, and a 4'5", 340. But in the slot and outside, he can really, really maneuver around. He's got kick and punt run, uh, turn ability. And, uh, you know, I think he had an average of about 23 yards in kick return, about 20 yards in, on the punt return game. Now, we all know that we do have a, a – not a void, but we've got a lot of players in-house that will be competing for the returning job, and I think that this guy would make a serious case, you know, as long as he doesn't have any fumble issues. Because he did, I did notice um, from just from what I saw, he had three noticeable fumbles, and uh, you know that would be something that he would have to work on. But as far as a guy getting off the line as a smooth route runner, what I really like is he's got quiet feet. Can never really tell when he's going to break out of his from in the route tree. So uh, Deontay Johnson, that's definitely a name that I think for fantasy players, if you're looking for a sleeper this year, uh, you might want to pencil in Deontay Johnson on on your radar.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned him. I'm not going to lie and say I've seen a lot of him, uh, but I just yesterday heard his name mentioned on a, uh, a PFF podcast. Um, really busy right now doing my own draft prep, but what I've been doing is PFF's been putting a lot of their pre-draft stuff on uh, on YouTube. So I just kind of have it playing in the background, and if something kind of catches my ear, I'll, I'll perk up and listen to it. And I heard them mention him, uh, Deontay Johnson, and saying that he is a guy – that they don't understand why he's not getting more press and they think he could be a day three pick who can be absolutely be an impact player. So I, I didn't include him in mine because I didn't get a chance to watch him enough, but uh, I was hoping you would bring him up because he sounds like a really interesting prospect and somebody that I I plan on watching more of Uh, probably, probably when we're done with this show, I'll pull up some, some clips of a few players I'm interested in watching and he's one of them.
2: A lot of fun, yeah. If you're going to enjoy that film. I, I can guarantee that.
0: And so, who's his? Who's his alternate?
2: So his alternate is another name, um, and this is a big, tall, lanky receiver at six five, hundred eighty five pounds. This is Anton Wesley from Texas Tech. Uh, this, you know, it, it's such a deep class with wide receiver. Uh, now he doesn't have a a big rapport. I think he only played in about eighteen games in the last couple of years. Uh, but he did have a, a breakout season last year with uh, about 1,400 yards and non touchdowns. Um, he, he's tall, he's slanky. He, you can put him in the slot, create mismatches, a good red zone threat. And he, I would, I would label him as a, as a taller um, deep threat in, in Robbie Anderson. So you want to talk about being able to take the top off of the defense? You're really going to put some serious pressure on the safeties with, with Anderson and and Wesley on the outside.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, again, looking to add weapons around Darnold, that would not be a bad option because, you know, you want some of these big targets, even though, you know, we're at this point in the draft now, you're looking at developmental guys. It's unlikely you're going to get someone who's going to step in right away and have a huge impact. But um, again, it, it's never, it's not going to hurt to add more guys around Darnold. So that'll bring, bring us to my, Oh, actually that did you do your, that was 148, right? Yeah.
2: So this is an interesting pick because, yeah, in the trade, we'd be, we would be getting back fifth round. So we currently do not have a fifth round pick um, right. in our non-trade scenario. So that would move me to the sixth round.
0: Okay. So, so don't why, don't do why don't you, you do that? Why don't you do your in sixth round okay. pick 196?
2: So, uh, okay, we're staying with the theme here with the wide receiver uh, department. And this is a pretty much an unknown name. Um, if some people were watching around the senior bowl, you might have seen him. Uh, being talked about quite a lot, it was Keelan Doss at a UC Davis. Uh, this is another you know big body uh, style receiver that can play inside and out. Uh, another red zone threat. Um, really good guy at fifty fifty balls. I like how he attacks and um, high points the football. Um, he he and what's already a, what I feel is at a professional level is how his awareness near the sideline. This guy has toe drag swag. Um, he he is excellent concentration when he's out on the boundary. And, you know, a lot of guys, you know, college rules, you only need one foot. This guy's dragging both. He's freezing himself as he's catching the ball and letting his body, um, you know, and, and tucking the football in and securing it. So, you know, you've already got – He's already has a trait that, that already suits the needs for an NFL player, and he was very productive. I believe he had over 4,000 yards receiving in his time at UC Davis. <coughs>
0: Yeah, he actually. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was a guy that I had on my original, and took him off. He he was almost my sixth rounder in that. Uh, let's see, yeah, one that very same spot, one ninety six. Is uh, he's a guy I had, and I ended up pulling him because I had uh, I had so much offense in my backup players, my backup picks, and since I'd already gotten a, a big tight end, I pulled him. But I, I think he's gonna be a he could be a, a, a nice late round steal. But who's who's his alternate gonna be?
2: Um, You know, right now, I I didn't have an alternate penciled in for the sixth round, but in the event that a Deontay Johnson was available, I would go with somebody like that. Um, And and there's another name that I was on the fence with, with uh, Keelan Dawson. That was, uh, I believe, uh, what was he, from NC State. uh, I think his name was Anthony uh, Ratcliffe. Um, Now, I only know of him because uh, I'm a fantasy football fanatic and I uh, just started getting into the college scene and he was one of, the, one of my top playmakers on my team and uh, not being talked about at all he's going to be a day three pick in that 6th to 7th round and I think that he's one of those players that will find himself you know in a, as a three or a four in a starting role and within a couple of years you'll be hearing more about um, Anthony Ratcliffe
0: Alright and who was your pick if there is no trade
2: uh that wa that was my, my no trade pick. I, I, I'm sorry about that. That was Okay. Uh, all the,
0: all that's right. You that's you scenario. did you did say you didn't have a backup, sorry. So wide receiver yep. Anthony Ratcliffe. And again, mm-hmm. um so that would put you so far defense, defense, offense, offense, offense. Um and that's good. It's a good balanced draft so far. And that brings me to that same pick, one ninety six. And for my third pick in a row I am going offensive line once again. Uh, this time I am going Georgia once again, having already looked at uh, DeAndre Walker and possibly Riley Ridley. Lamont Galliard, who's a, a guy who, again, I, I like these guys that come out of big schools, that play, you know, SEC schools, that play tough competition every week. I watched a little bit of him against Alabama, a little bit against, was it Clemson? I forget. Uh, but against Alabama, he did a, a pretty nice job. Uh, you know, against a guy like Quentin and Williams. And, and Galliard really held his own. I don't know if he's a guy who's going to be ready to start day one. But maybe you bring him along. Maybe by mid-season, he's your starter. Um, and from, uh, again, going off the CBS Sports mock projection, he's a guy who's here in this spot. And if not, if he's not on the board, I'm going with another big-time school, uh, Alabama, cornerback Savion Smith. He's a guy I saw him projected earlier on, uh, earlier in the process. But in recent mocks he's been falling a little bit. But I liked it it it's been a probably a good month and a half since I've watched him, but I did I did like what I saw, what I came away with when I did watch him probably six, seven weeks ago. So if he's on the board at numbers at in the sixth round at number one ninety six, he's the guy I'm gonna go with. And as has been the case pretty much I think with almost all my picks, Galliard, my primary at one ninety six, he is also the guy that I am taking in a no trade scenario meaning that I will have gotten McGovern and Galliard with back-to-back picks to sort of solidify that interior offensive line with a potential at least one starter and a backup. And that puts us at your – well, you – okay, you – it would be your round seven pick. Uh, Okay,
2: so, yep. Yep. I, let me finalize the trade scenario. This would be the last pick in the trade scenario with Denver, so that would be the 6th the round as well. Um, and to finalize this draft,
0: we Oh will wait. Be going so, hold with, on. What, what number? Okay. Cuz I thought you had 6196 from Denver.
2: Uh, oh no, that's a, yeah, that's so a Jets I, pick.
0: Sorry. What what I what pick was this? I
2: gave you my non-trade scenario pick first. <laughs> so, sorry about that, folks. Uh, but this will round out the trade scenario and that'll be Ogo Amadi who is a defensive back. And the reason why I say that is because he's played corner and he's played free safety his final year um, out of Oregon. And, you know, he's not a big guy at 5'9", 200 pounds, but uh, this is – he reminds me a lot of how the Jets tried to use Buster Screen on blitzing plays. Um, You know, he found himself a lot in the backfield. Um, He had around eight and a half or nine tackles for a loss and about three sacks. Um, he had a lot of pass breakups and, and three defensive touchdowns uh, throughout his career. Uh, he also uh, was had punt returning duties his final year, and uh, it wasn't bad. It was almost a 16-yard um, average, and he had one one to the house. So, you know, this is a flyer. Um, they brought him in uh, for a visit about two weeks ago, and it was kind of intriguing on, on how many – um, safeties that the Jets have brought in that have a little bit of versa, versatility as, you know, w- with a role being in a corner and a nickel back situation and also playing as a, uh, you know, free safety or in the box as well. So uh, Ogo Amadi, uh, I'm sorry, I cannot pronounce his, the, the full length of his name that that one is a mouthful, but we'll go with Ogo.
0: <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So that was that your final pick?
1: Yep, um, and, and, you know, just to, uh, do you want me to recap
2: on the, on the trade scenario real quick?
0: Yeah, break, break it all down, top to bottom. Okay,
2: so with the Denver trip, first round, Brian Burns, and our second round, Julian Love, the three third-round picks, we're going to have Eric McCoy competing for center, Tristan Hill competing at the defensive line, Jay Sternberger to pair up with Herndon. Uh, then we'll go into the fourth round with Bobby Evans playing for tackle. In the fifth round, Deontay Johnson, hopefully a future sleeper. And then in the last round, Ogo Amadi, a defensive back. And that will wrap up the trade scenario with Denver on my mock draft.
0: All right. So that covers that. I am down to my final pick. And uh, let's see. Yep. we. I'm, I'm going to go with this is round seven, pick number 217. And this is also this, – this is the guy I'm taking at 217 if there's no trade. It's going to be uh, – you talked earlier about bunting out of Central Michigan. His teammate, Xavier Crawford, Ooh. did a really nice, nice job at Central Michigan. He's a guy I looked at – I watched a couple of his games. I looked at what some of the, some of the uh, scouting sites had to say about him. I looked at PFF grades, and I don't I looked at his combine. I don't know why he's not graded higher than this. I don't know why he's viewed as a sixth, seventh-round pick. But I think uh, he could be a nice project late in the draft, 7th or 217th overall. He's a a guy who just played at a high level with another good corner across from him. So Xavier Crawford is my pick at 217 um, in the trade down and the non-trade down scenario. And my alternate pick in the trade down scenario or in either is a guy I... Honestly, only found this guy a couple of days ago when I was just going through some late, late round names looking for some possible undrafted free agents, guys along those lines. And uh, again, developmental guy, which is what you're getting a lot of times this late in the draft. Uh, Wyoming edge Carl Granderson. He's a guy, super, super long guy. You know, Just arms look like they went for days. And you could see him, you know, he, he he used that well in trying to get to the quarterback. A little bit lankier than you would like. So he's a guy who you could see getting caught up against uh, getting caught up against bigger tackles. But, again, we're talking about a developmental guy here.
2: You know, that's interesting because I found out about Sean Bunting when I was doing some film review on Xavier and um, definitely liked his play style. He he was uh, an aggressive corner, not the biggest guy, uh, but – if you're looking for somebody that is sound in a man coverage scheme, because that's what Central Michigan did a lot of. They left those guys out, and they trusted them in space one-on-one. And, you know, maybe not the most uh, aggressive guy just due to his stature, but um, he's an all-around solid good football player. And at the back end of the draft, you know, he would definitely be nipping at the heels of Derek Jones and uh, Perry Nickerson for sure.
0: Yeah, there's, you know, there are going to be some, uh you know, as is always the case when you have a lot of guys on your roster who aren't proven, the guys like Perry Nickerson and Fuller Runs Fatakasi, there are going to be plenty of battles when camp rolls around. And uh, it should be fun to watch. And, it you know, listen, it's an exciting time for Jets fans. Finally have the quarterback in place. Added some huge pieces in free agency. We still have to find out what the future holds for Darren Lee, for Robbie Anderson. Um, if they're, you know, are, will either of those guys get traded? I think it's more likely Darren Lee gets traded. But the Jets are going to look to make some moves, move around, and, and get, some, uh, get themselves in position to make a playoff push, which I, I think they're almost there. I really, I mean, corner is going to be a big part of it. Uh, Marcus May's health is going to be a big part of it. But if you have a healthy Jamal oh, yeah. Adams, healthy Marcus May, and you get, you get Tremaine Johnson to play close to the level he was at with the Rams, and then one of the other two corners plays you know at a decent level, I don't see why, you know, this defense can't be good enough under Greg Williams to shut down opposing offense, or at least, you know, keep, keep opposing offenses at bay. And, and then Sam Darnold with all the weapons, all the new players. Oh um, yeah. Lots, lots of possibilities. Uh, you know, there's, there's plenty of time to be miserable and upset about this football team, but I don't think this is one of those times. So that's going to do it for us tonight. I want to thank Alex for joining me, Alex, go ahead and uh, give out your Twitter handle there. And, uh, Thanks for joining me, and we'll, we'll catch up next week.
2: Absolutely. This was a lot of fun. Um, and just for the record, for those that are wondering, my seventh-round pick was Rockwell Armstead out of Temple. Um, so tune in to last week's show as we talked a lot about this kid. Has a change of pace and a short yardage back. Uh, really like the Rock out of uh, Temple. So, Jet Nation, it's been uh, great Thanks for coming down and watching us. And if you want to give me a follow, you can follow me at NYJetsLife24. That is at NYJetsLife24. Let's go. It's almost draft time, everybody. Let's get excited.
0: Absolutely, Alex. And you can give me a follow at AceFan23. That's A-C-E-Fan23. Have a great night, Jets fans. And uh, the draft is almost upon us. And we look forward to recapping that for you once it goes down. Have a great night.